Welcome to the Love Your Truth podcast, where we share stories, moments, and lessons from life's beautiful and heart-wrenching experiences, where we explore our wounds, celebrate our challenges, and find healing in allowing all that life throws at us. Here, you will learn to love every aspect of your truth, accept your past, embrace your present, and create your future, all by loving your truth. I'm your host, Sherry Love, certified professional confidence and empowerment life coach, cognitive behavioral specialist, single mother of five, pianist, ultra runner, and human, who is still learning to love her truth, just like you. Welcome to the Love Your Truth podcast. I decided today that I wanted to kind of record an extra episode to talk about my race. The last episode, last week, I published a podcast episode about leading up to my 50 mile race that I just did over the weekend and my thoughts about it and how I came to, came to the decision to do it. And I decided that it's probably important to also share the after <laughs> to share my race report and um, and kind of some of the lessons that I've learned along the process. That's something that I think is absolutely amazing about ultra running and not even just ultra running, but um, just experiencing putting yourself through something difficult um, intentionally, um, facing goals, facing challenges. Um, achieving things and not necessarily even just achieving things, but going for it. I have noticed every time I put myself out there and put myself on the line and try, there's always some kind of life lesson that applies. And that's something that I love about running is I, there's a life lesson in every single run. I have so many, uh, just even just, fun runs, training runs, experiences that I've had over the past 18 years that I've been running that that have taught me lessons about life. And this past weekend was no exception. Um, so I want to talk about, I've touched a little bit in that episode, my pre-race episode about the, the self-doubt that I was experiencing and questioning my why and trying to decide who am I and can I still be me if, I'm, if I decided to stop running? And then making the decision to to embrace the characteristics that I have that make me want to do things like ultra running and that I get to keep those things even if I never run ever again. And then something that I experienced, I don't know that I touched on this in that episode, but the idea that um, I'm, I, I haven't, I've had a story in my head about my fitness level. And I think to a certain degree, what's happening is I'm comparing my now self to my former self. And there's a lot of factors there. I used to be a road runner. I used to be a marathon runner. And my my journey with marathon running has, has definitely been a roller coaster. When I first started running, um, I'm going to tell my whole running history. This is going to be a running episode, <laughs> and there's a life lesson to this. So I'm going to tell you kind of my idea on the on the life lesson first, and then we'll expand on that. So the concept that I want to talk about today is creating belief around the stories that we're writing in our heads 
and then discovering that maybe sometimes those stories aren't actually true, that what we're thinking might not actually be what's real. And, but when we think thought continuously over time, it creates a belief. And we can create beliefs around things that we write in our heads, that we decide in our heads. And um, we get to decide what those stories are. And sometimes those stories can be automatic. And sometimes um, they can pull us back. And sometimes they can propel us forward. So I'm going to tell my um, just a really, really brief history of, of how it started running. And just the roller coaster of... You know, the, the progress, you know, because the reason why I'm calling it a roller coaster is because, uh, it, you know, there's ups and downs in every journey and there's, you know, sideways and upside down sometimes and there's, you know, progress and then there's, you know, sometimes you pull back a little bit and it's, it's not linear at all. Um, it's definitely a spiral staircase <laughs> or a roller coaster. So I, um, when I was in my mid-twenties, I was in just the trenches of early motherhood. I was a young mom. I had just had my third baby. And I experienced postpartum depression. And I haven't really talked too much about that so far, but it's something I experienced pretty severely in in those early years of motherhood and after my third i had three babies in three and a half years <laughs> and i um i i was experiencing a little not a little a lot of postpartum depression i was had three babies under four and i you know having three babies that fast you know your body changes i was still very young and, and you know, I have good genetics and, you know, and I, I do like to exercise and I was moving my body, you know, I was going on walks and stuff, but, but it definitely does take its toll on your body and on your mind and on your hormones and so many factors having babies that fast. And so I started to kind of get enamored with the idea that I wanted to get in like really good shape fitness wise. And I didn't really know what to do or how to do that. But what I started to do is there was a park that was about three quarters of a mile away from my house and it had a track around the park that was a half mile long. And I had my jogging stroller, my double jogging stroller, and I would put all three of my babies <laughs> in the jogging, in the double jogging stroller, and I would jog down to the park, jog around the track two times and then jog back. And, or maybe it was three times, I can't remember exactly the amount, but I, it ended up being a 5K. And, um, and I did that pretty frequently. My sister lived in my neighborhood and two of us would go together and we would um, do our little, you know, around the neighborhood walk um, jog. And I wasn't very fast, but, but I did it. And then one Saturday, it was in November. I remember that it was in November. So my little baby, my baby girl, my third baby was, let's see, June, July, August, September, October. I think she would, maybe it wasn't, I can't remember. I think it was November. I thought she was four months. Maybe she was four or five months. And I woke up one Saturday morning and thought, 
I want to run a 5K. I want to be a person. And I remember thinking this thought, I want to be a person who runs 5Ks, not I want to run a 5K. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I just, I wanted to embody the, the type of person who would do a 5K, who would go run a 5K. So my mom and my sister-in-law um, drove to Sugar House Park. I got online and I looked up a race and I found a 5K. I think it was a breast cancer awareness type fundraiser 5K. We signed up at the race start and I ran the 5K. I signed up for it the same day. And I do think it's a little bit funny now, looking back on my, on my running journey, the time that it took me to run that 5K is now slower than my 10K PR, <laughs> which is funny, but it was a start. And what happened, it, I didn't even, it didn't cross my mind. I was such a beginner and I didn't know anything about the running community. I didn't know anything about how to run or, you know, any, you know, splits and PRs and all the lingo. I just knew I wanted to run a 5K. I didn't care about my time at all. I just went and ran. And that experience was pivotal in my life and in my journey on um, becoming more me because I finished that race and I felt so empowered and I felt joy, the kind of joy that I don't know that I had really it, you know, had tapped into myself up until that point. And I definitely had had joy. I mean, having babies and, and the joy of becoming a mother and, you know, lots of things in my life, the joy of, you know, being a musician and playing piano and there's things, but it was a different kind of joy. And I grasped onto that wholeheartedly and I kept running. Um, and it, it was a journey. I, I know a lot of runners who like, once they get that taste of blood, so to speak, then they go in full force. I took my time. I ran that 5k in 2005 and I think. I finally ran a 10K in 2006. I didn't run my first marathon until 2008. And um, that's when it really kind of took off. That's when I realized I'm a distance runner. I ran four marathons in 2008. Um, and then in 2009, I uh, was diagnosed with Graves' disease and that's when my thyroid started to uh, go crazy. <laughs> and I had a couple of years of um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't exercise at all. My heart rate was so high and, and, and the symptoms of that, that illness were so severe that I couldn't, I couldn't exercise. And it was devastating because, um, at the same time that I discovered the marathon running, I also discovered, um, I went to lady fitness <laughs> and I discovered, um, the joy of, of lifting weights and, and, um, and it became my social life running and going to the gym became kind of my outlet for me as mom, as a, as a young mom. And, um, and the, the big pivotal thing that I noticed was that, um, doing those things, moving my body gave me happiness and I was dealing with depression and moving my body helped me move through those feelings of, of being depressed and it helped me feel happy and feel myself. And I actually feel like running, um, my, my depression was severe enough at the time that I, I look at running and I think of it, that it saved my life. Running saved my life. And, and that is a thought that I have carried with me 
whether it's true or not, whether I, whether it actually did save my life, you know, but I, but it, it brought me joy. It brought me back to myself and I ran with it. And, and I also recognized that, um, it did kind of become an obsession, maybe even addiction, but it was, it was such a positive part of me that I, I wanted to keep it and I still want to keep it. And it, it helped me tap into a part of myself that I, that I think I probably knew was there, but I wasn't conscious of. And, um, so it created an opportunity for me to, to become more me. Um, and, and that, I think that's what body movement does. So throughout the course of my running history, I, you know, I started running marathons. I had that, you know, a couple of years where I couldn't, I couldn't exercise where I was sick. And then I had a couple more babies. And, um, after I had my fifth baby, six months after he was born, this would have been in 2013. Um, my sister and my brother decided they wanted to run their first marathon. I think it would have been maybe my sixth marathon, uh, or seventh maybe. Uh, and so we all ran the marathon together, uh, St. George marathon. It's one of my favorites. I've done it six times and, um, it's probably my favorite road race. And what happened at that race was my sister and brother both running their first marathon. They both beat my time. And, you know, I could use the excuse, okay, I had a six month old baby. I had just had two babies in a year and a half. And, um, it was, you know, all the, all the, you know, physical aspects of why I wasn't running my top speed, but I just hadn't really tapped into the desire to run faster. But my sister and I, she's two years younger than I am. Her day, her birthday is one day before mine. And so we have this kind of friendly competition with each other. And something about her beating me at that race just lit a fire in me that propelled me into the next level of my running journey. And after that race, I decided it was time for me to want to qualify for Boston. And up until that point, I knew about qualifying for Boston, but it was kind of a little out of my reach at that time. And I didn't really... um, believe I had a story in my head that I wasn't a fast runner, that I was just, I was perfectly content with being just middle of the pack, just run my pace and just do my thing. And, um, and something about my sister beating me at the St. George marathon in 2013, just lit a fire under me and made me believe if I push myself, I can do this and I want it. And deciding that I wanted it really helped me change my thinking around what's possible for me in my body. And, um, I started to train differently. I had, uh, a really close friend, running friend. She's one of my business partners for my running coaching business, Cammie. Um, I reached out to her and I said, Cammie, I need help. I want you to coach me. And she did. And she encouraged me. I was at the time my, My routine was I would run three days a week and I would lift weights three days a week and I would alternate days and I would take Sunday off. um, She said, can I convince you to add one more day of running? And um, so the evolution of of from that point until, uh, you know, a few years later when I was consistently qualifying for Boston 
I went from running three days a week to running six days a week. And um, adding volume and, you know, adding speed work, adding tempo runs, and all the, you know, learning all the ways that I could train, it really made me realize if you put some work in, your body responds. And if you have the belief and the thoughts to support those beliefs, then your body responds. And it's so magical how how much the human body can do for us when we when we decide it's just it's like it's just all choices it's so beautiful and amazing it's just it feels so exhilarating and exciting to me and this is post-race high i'm sure but it feels i feel this sensation every time i run something big whether it's a half marathon a marathon a 50 miler a 100 miler i feel this sensation of power and gratitude about this body that i get to live in and this body that i get to experience and when my mind and my soul and my body are in synergy with each other when i decide yes i can my body says we got this let's do it every time my body shows up for me it doesn't make it less hard it is challenging that race on saturday um running 50 miles is is hard and I, you know, but I did it <laughs> and my body showed up for me. And here are a couple of thoughts that I had leading up to that point, um, comparing to what I used to have, you know, and even, even as an ultra runner, um, I, I used to believe that I was a fit person and I, it, and it's, it's really, I, I was, and I probably still am, but, but I'm comparing myself to, to what I used to look like and how I used to perform and my speed and my shape and all those things. And I, and I had stepped into this training cycle kind of on a wing and a prayer. <laughs> like it's been since the beginning of 2022, since I raced and since I trained and I, I didn't, the training cycle was different than it, than it has been in the past. And so there was this little part of me that, that wasn't sure if I had the fitness that I, you know, I had these thoughts in my head, these stories in my head that I'm deconditioned, that I'm less fit than I used to be, that my body is different. And, um, do I even have the desire? And, and I talked about this in that last, the pre-race episode, when I, allowed myself to really explore the possibility of doing the race and choosing to do it and and choosing my why to be i'm doing this because i love to run and because i love to be in the mountains and i'm doing this to tap into my joy it absolutely made my race exactly that i felt so much joy and this is really fascinating because right now during the race, I didn't cry at all. I'm really actually surprised because there were so many beautiful, there was a beautiful sunrise, there was a beautiful sunset. I had so many beautiful people, my ultra community that I love. I love those people. I had my boyfriend showed up and ran with me. My kids came to the um, aid stations and the finish line. My parents came. Um, I am feeling so much, just a welling of gratitude and emotion about having experienced all those things as as most ultra runners do i i needed to experience this particular race for a couple of reasons 
I needed to challenge the idea in my head that I'm not fit enough to still run an ultra. I needed to challenge the idea in my head that my body has changed and so that means that I can't do this anymore. I needed to challenge the idea in my head that I am alone and that I, you know, I'm not doing, I am not part of the community anymore and um, I'm forgotten in the ultra community because none of those stories that I had in my head are true. What is true and what I had to discover and by going on that wing in a prayer, by going on that just decided to tap into my joy and just going for it. I found out, yes, I do have the fitness <laughs> because I did it. And it doesn't matter how fast I or slow I did it, I did it. Um, and yes, I am part of the community because every single person I saw, every single person I saw at the aid stations on the course that I knew, and that's, that's the fun thing about this race is it's, you know, it's my home turf and it's a lot of friends and um, I knew a lot of people and every single one of them approached me just excited to see me and not just in a polite way, but in a genuine friendship way. And it made me feel so loved and supported. And then having my family and my partner and my friends show up and um, crew me and pace me and and be there for me. I, I have never had a race where I felt so loved and supported. Ultra running makes me feel like a princess. <laughs> and um, and I just, it's, it's so fascinating to experience these beliefs that we have in our head and then, and then notice how those beliefs can be dissolved by experiencing, by stepping forward and, and allowing ourselves to believe something different. Um, the other, the other thing that has really been present in my mind since Saturday is, um, the pain. <laughs> I, I have, I get, I get comments quite often when I talk to people who, who don't run, like, you're crazy. That must hurt. Like, oh, look at how sore you are. Look at how you're wobbling, you know, like the, the post ultra run, the post 50 miler hobble. Um, that's crazy. Why would you do that? Why would you do something that hurts? Here's why. I don't know why I'm getting emotional about this. You're going to, I'm just going to cry through this. Because those sensations that I have in my body, the pain, the sore muscles, the, you know, the, the aches, um, you know, the fatigue, all of those sensations are my body telling me, you did that and you can do that. It is a reminder to me that I can and that my body is here for me. My body showed up. I, I, I'm not saying I love being sore. <laughs> But I mean, I, I've been going to the gym and running for nearly 20 years. And for as long as I can remember waking up the next day or two days later with the late onset muscle soreness um, that you get, I can't, I can't help it. If I wake up sore, I always, first thing I always think is, yes, it worked. <laughs> And I have had, I've had clients who are like, wait a second, I'm not sure I need more. And I, and I, so there, there is kind of a caveat to that because 
I, the goal is not to get sore. The goal is not to like, oh, I have sore muscles, so it works. That doesn't necessarily mean it works. But what it does mean is that my body is talking to me and communicating with me and telling me, you've worked really hard. I'm proud of you. And it's also a beautiful signal to me to recover. And, and that's another way, you know, I, I'm honoring my body by, by moving, by challenging it. My body shows up for me when I ask it to. If I step into the belief that I can, my body, it, it performs. It just does. It's so fascinating. And my body communicates back with me. When I have sore muscles, my body is saying, okay, Sherry, drink more water. Maybe take it easy. Maybe just walk today instead of run. Um, pain is a beautiful communicator from your body to, to give you a heads up on what's going on. If you have a headache, if you have, I mean, like hunger pangs in your stomach, like there's so many different sensations that your body gives you that, that helps you kind of determine how to show up for your body. And I think that's, it's, I mean, it's, it's just such an important thing to me that communication factor, it's goes both directions. When you believe you can, when you believe, when you step into that belief in your, in your mind, your body shows up, your body reacts. And, and then your body also communicates back to you and says, okay, I did this for you. Now do something for me, you know, and vice versa. I think that's why it's important to pay attention to your body's cues on hunger. I think it's why it's important to pay attention to your body's cues on fatigue and, um, and, and, and notice when the sensation is coming from your mind and when the sensation is coming from your body. And that takes practice. And that is um, one of the things that I teach. I actually have, um, I didn't intend to have this be a, you know, self-promotion post, but here we go. I, I have a course that I've been working on for a long time and I'm rolling it out really soon. Um, I'm hoping to, to roll it out within the next um, maybe month or so. And, um, what I teach in that course is exactly what I'm talking about is creating that connection with your body and understanding the cues and understanding what's coming from your mind, what's coming from your body. And one of those things is, um, here's a great example. When you're laying in bed and you're tired, your alarm goes off and it's time to wake up and you're like, Oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to. Um, is that coming from your mind or is that coming from your body? Because most often when we talk ourselves out of something that we want to do, it's probably your mind um, until you create a habit. Something that I've noticed in, in me is that when it's coming from my body, I feel energized and I feel excited and I feel it feels true and there's no dissonance. Um, and, and I think it takes practice to notice and to pay attention and, and, and feel the dissonance. And I think it also takes practice to, um, to recognize the difference between the mind and the body. And that's something that I, um, I teach in my course and that I, I like to practice in my own, um, just day-to-day -day life. And it's not easy. And sometimes you get it wrong. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, because if you, if you miss the cues, then you can reframe, you can 
you know, readjust. You can change your route. And um, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with, with having to adjust the course. And I can't tell you how many times I have gotten lost on a run <laughs> where I've lost the trail. And here, just another running metaphor, just... There's so many, there's so many, and I'm just going to keep them coming. I've noticed that when I do kind of get off course, sometimes I get lost in my head. Sometimes I just get curious about where a certain trail is going and I lose the trail and I ended up off course or I'm bushwhacking or something. What I've noticed is maybe I've lost the trail that I was supposed to be on, um, but I'm not actually lost. And I usually find something pretty cool in the process. Sometimes I, I find a different trail or a scene that I would not have seen otherwise. And sometimes I, um, you know, I just get to experience the, the adventure <laughs> of being lost and having to find my way back to the trail. And usually I'm not, I haven't ventured too far, but that's, that's something that, you know, I mean, specific to the Wasatch Mountains here in Utah, you can't really get lost. You, even if you've lost the trail, you're not actually lost. You can usually see the valley and you can tell which way's east. And um, it's, it's pretty hard to actually be lost. And so even if you take a little bit different course and you, you veer off the trail, you can find your way. You can either find a different way or you can find your way back to the trail. And um, that's exciting and adventurous to me. So, um, so I just I just want to kind of reiterate. I know I'm only using one simple example of how we write stories in our heads and how we create our action based on those stories. But there's so many other ways. For instance, um, when you're interacting with other people, uh, I think one-way ticket to crazy town is to spend time in someone else's head. And what I mean by that is when we think someone is thinking something about us, um, if we think someone is, you know, interacting with us in a certain way and we interpret that, we're creating a story in our head about what they think. First of all, I really actually love the concept that what other people think of you is none of your business <laughs> in a general sense. But I know that there's there's some caveats to that because I, and I've shared, I actually shared just a short little um, video on Instagram a couple of weeks ago about this. I actually do care what people think. I care what my kids think. I care about my friends and their opinion. I care about my boyfriend. I care about my family. I, I don't want to change my authenticity to accommodate other people's opinions. But what I'm saying is it's really easy to think that other people are thinking something that they're not. And we might create our action based on that rather than what they're actually thinking. And so my take on that specific thing is to ask questions. Is this really what they think or is this what I think they think? And understand that it, the, the way a person reacts to you or interacts with you is based on their thinking rather than your actions. 
um, because the way you're interacting with that person is also based on your thinking. And most of the time, it's not really actually about you. <laughs> and um, it's actually, it sounds almost kind of invalidating to say it that way, but it's peaceful and here's why. Because when you can release like that, you know, that ego, the world revolves around me, everybody's looking at me, everybody's judging me, you can realize that people are just living their lives. And we, we come across each other and we bump into each other and energies react to each other and, and we affect each other. And it's everybody's on their own journey and everybody has their own life experience. Even if you talk about siblings who grew up in the same house and have a completely different outlook on how that experience was for them, everybody has their own perspective and you have your perspective. And the beautiful thing is that because of neuroplasty, you know, your brain can change, your brain can, can respond to new stimulus and your brain can, you can move those pathways and you have to decide to move those pathways. And a lot of times, especially if you've been thinking and believing something for a long, long, long time, those neural pathways are deep rivers in your brain. And, and those thought synapses are following that pathway just automatically. And it takes a lot of intentional effort to reroute those brain pathways and those synapses into a new pathway, into a new river or a new riverbed or just, you know, just building something new, a new thought pattern. It takes work. And you're going to notice that when you have a story that you've believed for a long time and you want to change that story, then your brain is going to, to want to automatically go back to that original story, even if you're consciously trying to change it. It's not a one-time deal. Um, you do get to decide, but that is the beginning. That is the first step, deciding. Because it's not like you decide, I'm going to think this new thing about myself. I'm going to believe that I am worthy right now already. I don't have to earn it. Or I'm going to believe that I'm fit right now. Or I'm going to believe that I love my body. Or whatever belief that you, new belief that you want to believe. The old belief, I'm not fit. I'm not good enough. I, I have to do X, Y, Z in order to be worthy. Whatever old belief you had, you're, if, if you believed that for a long time and you're trying to reroute, your brain is not, you haven't created that new pathway yet. So just deciding you do get a new synapse fire. I, I believe that I felt it when I have these aha moments, like these realizations in my, in my brain, I can feel it. There's like an actual physical sense. Like it's like lightning in my brain. I don't know if anybody else experiences that. I'm really curious to know if other people feel that. Um, and so, yes, you are like, it's like you're striking a match and then you've got to create the route for the, for the brain to, to follow for the, for that flame to follow. Um, and that, that pathway, the, um, the river or the, or the flame or whatever, how, whatever analogy you want to use is going to automatically want to follow the old pathway. And, um, you have to, you have to kind of keep going along the new pathway repeatedly over and over and over again in order to, 
um, in order to have that follow the new pathway continuously in order to create that, you know, to carve that out and to make it deeper. And eventually the old pathway grows over and it's not as deep anymore. And um, it's your thoughts will start to automatically follow the new pathway, but it takes practice and it's, it's a cool process. And I think that intention and that bringing the unconscious into the conscious and the awareness and the awakened just sensations of noticing your thoughts and being aware of them and recognizing and owning them is such a powerful process because then you have so much power over how you show up in your own life and how you react to sensations. And it's all about managing your thoughts. It's fantastic. <laughs> and look at how I just tied that into running because that's what I do. I love it. Um, so I just want to encourage you to question your beliefs. And that doesn't mean like think that everything that you believe is wrong. I, it just means just take a look. Um, if you and and here's the here's the cool thing, is if you if you take a look at your beliefs, you take a look at the thought patterns that you're that you're following, and you're like, yeah, no, I like this. I want to believe this. Then keep believing it. You don't have to abandon every belief that you had just because I'm talking about this. It's just a matter of noticing, is this the way I want things to go? Is this the way I want to believe? And if you're fine with it and you're happy with it and it's working for you, I think it's a good idea to, to, you know, do a little check-in with yourself and assess and say, do I like this pathway? Is this the direction I want to be headed? Then yes, I'm going to keep heading this. Just like I am choosing after running 50 miles on Saturday, I'm like, oh, wow, I actually really love this. I think I might still want to do this. Um, I am choosing to keep that. And you can choose to keep whatever it is that you're believing, but you also have the option to move a different direction, even if it's just slightly. It's beautiful. It's exciting because you have complete and total management over how you think. And I love it. So I just want to encourage you to just question that. Um, do a thought download. And to me, what that means is just get out a piece of paper and a pencil or your notepad on your phone or your voice recorder or whatever outlet you want to use and just let it all flow out. Um, every thought that comes into your brain, write it down. There's no judgment. There is only curiosity. Just get really curious about what is going on in your brain and, and look at it because a lot of times there's stuff in there that you didn't realize. And then you can kind of, you can kind of see a pattern and see like, oh, there's this main theme that keeps coming up. Maybe that's the thought that I really want to take a look at and, and maybe mull over a little bit. And then you can drop into your body and question like, how is this, how is this thought feeling in my body? What's the sensation or the vibration that I'm experiencing? And, and how is it making me feel? And how am I showing up based on this thought? And what, it, what kind of result is it creating for me in my life? And do I want this result and, or do I want a different result? And what result do I want? And how can I tie that back into the way I'm thinking? It's so fun. If you want a little bit more coaching on this idea, I would love to help. I would love to just guide you through this thought model. And if you want to join my course, Emotional Fitness, about connecting your mind, body, and soul together and creating synergy and the communication and a relationship with you and your body, please, 
um, if you go visit me on uh, my Instagram, it's right now it's piano.runner on Instagram. I haven't changed it yet. I, I can't decide if I want to. <laughs> or you can visit me at sherrylovecoaching.com. And um, very soon I will have a landing page for my course. And um, if you are interested, feel free to send me a private message on my Instagram or my Facebook, Sherry Love. And I would look forward to hearing from anybody who's curious about this. Have a good one. Are you ready to love all that you are, embrace all the parts of you, and shine your light and create a powerful life that you love? Join me in my coaching program where I help my clients find their power within, grow from their challenges, and love and embody their true authentic selves. You can find me at sherrylovecoaching.com and on all major social media platforms. Thank you.